If you have your Bibles, go with me, please, to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Uh, you just this presence will just heal you. Praise God for this worship. Hallelujah. I shared a little bit last week and just want to touch some things tonight. In Second Peter chapter three, verse one. This is the New Living Translation. It says, This is my second letter to your dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Undistracted attention in, in the message translation. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth, following their own desires. I mean, no, people don't want conviction. People don't want to be around people who believe in holiness and right standing because it makes them uncomfortable. When when people get around you and they feel uncomfortable, it just means there's something good about you. Because in the last days, there's going to be scoffers and mockers of truth following their own desires. On TV, you know, you see a lot of times people don't want to be corrected. They will say, what happened to this promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. You say He's coming back, but we haven't seen Him. They deliberately, as we read in the Greek, they close their eyes and forget that God made the heavens by the word of His command. And He brought the earth out from water and surrounded it with water. Then He used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood between Genesis 1 and 2. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. It talks about the day is like a thousand years to the Lord. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promises, some think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. And if you if underline that word in, in the Bible, there's some word, three words we're going to look at tonight. He wants everyone to repent. Say that word with me. Repent. Repent. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserved judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this. Now underline these next two words. What holy, holy and godly lives. Underline the word holy and godly lives we should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to new heavens and a new earth as He promised A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Underline that. Pure and blameless in His sight. Verse 15. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Hold your place there. And we want to look at uh, 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. Glad you're here tonight everybody. 
Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. We read in the last letter of Peter that there's going to be scoffers. Now it says, verse one, you should know this. It talks just like Peter did. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, proud, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure, pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly, make them godly. There's one of our words. Stay away from people like that. And then look at verse nine. It says, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everybody, everyone will recognize what fools they are. Just as Jonas and Jambres, which were two men who went against God. Now look with me in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2. This is, I think, one of, I believe one of the most important scriptures in the Word. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. Every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Amen. How many of you know that's very sobering, isn't it? I want you to understand that I could get up here and I could tell you about how awesome Argentina is. I could tell you about... The falls of Iguazu that border Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina. I could tell you in the lower parts about the mountains where it looks like Sweden and they go skiing and uh, the Andes Mountains. I could tell you all about Argentina and make it sound awesome. And you could want to go there and you could go to the airport and get your tickets and everything. But unless I give you details about the vaccinations, unless I give you details about the malaria pills, the, uh, the, um, cholera uh, outbreaks and how to watch your water. If I don't tell you about the visa, how to get a visa and where to get a visa and a passport, you just go to the airport, you get on the plane, you'll get to Argentina and they make you turn around and come right back. Well, I, how many of you know we, talk, we can talk about heaven, but there's a way to get there. You've got to have your passport and you've got to have your visa. Because we can talk about everything and how awesome it is going to be. But how about the directions and how to get there. And we studied tonight on salvation. One of the things I, I want to share with you, let me read out the, the, the Weiss commentary, just something right here right quick for you. The present conditions of the heavens and earth that are being stored up with fire is being constantly maintained and guarded with the view of judgment of the ungodly, which is the great white throne judgment, which will end at the close of the millennium. At which time the wicked dead... The fallen angels and demons will be judged and sent to eternity of suffering 
and banished from the presence of a holy God. God is so holy. That's why he's even going to destroy the earth and everything upon the earth and even all the planets and stuff around it. He's going to build a new heaven and earth because he doesn't want anything to remind him of the filth and the sin that has been. And he uses the word perdition, which means to be delivered into eternal misery, to incur the loss of all things and make existence that, and, and things that make existence worthwhile. It means eternal misery. For us to get ready, and at the same time as we saw last week, we're supposed to be sharing others our message about them getting ready. You know, this morning we had someone come up and get saved, and what a lot of people don't know is that after it was over, we had a, that lady's sister come up and get saved. Hallelujah. And then, you know, I had a funeral this afternoon at 2.30. And there's nothing more sobering many times in a funeral and different things that surround it and the, the, uh, the people and the different things that are going on at a funeral without getting into detail. And death is going to come. doesn't matter how young, how old. It's amazing many times how young death does come. And I think that we have to be ready and be sure that we are not neglecting such a great a salvation. That we are serving Jesus with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Because we sing that song, it is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. The loss of friends and sometimes the distance with family and friends. Because if, if that's what it takes to keep me living the way I'm supposed to live, then I'm willing to sacrifice houses, brothers, fathers, mothers, and home. Because I want to make sure I make it to glory. And if there's a stumbling block there, that as hard as it is, brother, I'm not going to neglect my salvation and drift away from the truth. And that's you. That's many of us. Jesus was willing to go all the way for us and I'm willing and you're willing to go all the way for Him. But this is a sobering message because we know that we're in the end times. And Paul told Timothy and Peter wrote the importance of us to study these things and understand that this world is being stored and is being prepared, that the sun is going to consume this earth and everything around it, the sun is going to explode, and everything we see and know now is going to be totally destroyed, and then God is going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And I'm going to be talking about that probably next week, and we're going to have fun with that. But tonight I, want, I just felt to share some more along these lines because I didn't get into it. It says that God is long-suffering. Hallelujah. Why is he long suffering? He's giving people a chance to know him. You know, we may not be in agreement or they may be things that we don't quite understand about this war in Iran or Afghanistan or Iraq and all these things that are going on. The things that are going on in North Korea and all this is going on. But do you know what? Out of this war at a cost and our nations spent a lot of money to get into this war. But listen. At the same time, the Bible has been translated and brought into countries that it was not allowed to get in before. The Lord has been long-suffering because He wants the message to get out to people all across this world because He is coming back, and He's coming back for a people who have made themselves ready. And because God loves man, and He doesn't want anyone to perish, He is willing to hold back His wrath and be patient. That word patient means that God is patient with us. How many of you can agree that God is patient with us? God has been patient with me. God is patient with you. We all need the patience of God. I mean, He could have stumped me like a bug a long time ago. I deserved in my life to be destroyed. 
I deserved, even being a man of God, I have deserved death. I have deserved punishment. But God in His great love and loving kindness, He was compassionate towards me. When I had an issue, He loved me through it. And that's why I could stand up here today. And that's why you can praise and you can sing to Him. Because you, like me, we've all had our issues in our life. But we can testify. But my God is merciful. My God is kind. My God is patient. That even when I was doing my best, even when I was rebellious against God in my attitude, He loved me. He was long-suffering with me. And He is long-suffering even towards the lost. He's patient with us. That word patient means He bears and suffers a long time with us. That God perseveres and is constant in suffering with us. God is steadfast and enduring in being patient with us. And very simply, God is slow to give in and to judge and condemn us. Thank God. God loves and cares for us despite of our sin and rebellion, our cursing and our rejection of Him. Even in the rejection of Him, His love is stronger than His judgment. This is the very reason He sent Christ to save us. He loves and cares for us. Just give you a few scriptures here. Acts 17, 30 through 31. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. There's one of our words, repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him, that man, that one man Christ, who will sit upon the throne and judge by raising him from the dead. Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Do we teach, treat God's forgiveness and love as contempt and like, you know, uh, like it's nothing. And so we continue living our way and being selfish and God to keep forgiving, God to keep loving. Romans 3, 25. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because of his forbearance. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And then he talked about all day in Romans 10.21. The people lived in rebellion against him. 1 John 3.31 How great is the love of the Father having lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The world does not know Jesus. And the way they're going to know Jesus and the love of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is us as a body of Christ surrendering total to Him. The word repentance, and that's one of the words of the end time, and it's been the word from the very beginning. The word repent means to change. To change one's mind. To turn one's life around. You know, if I ask God, if I, I feel sorry for what I've done, and I ask God to forgive me, but I keep on doing it, I haven't done any turning, therefore I have not done any repenting. Right. Amen, church. Amen. Can we be a, amen? amen? See, if you say amen, I know that you're, you're not, you don't have an issue here. So shout out amen. Amen, amen. there you go. <laughs> Being sorry for our sins, but yet continuing to do it, that's not repentance. And without true repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no blood to cover the sin because we continue practicing something with no plan at all 
to hold back our, 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 our own wills to please the will of the Father. It means to change one's mind. It means to turn one's life around. It is turning away from sin, turning away from sin and turning to God. It is a change of mind, a forsaking of sin. It is putting sin out of one's thoughts and behavior. It's putting away sin's thoughts out of our, sin out of our thoughts and behavior. It is resolving never to think or do a thing again. Resolving. Repentance is doing some personal resolving in my heart. Repentance is, I've got some issues in my life. This unforgiveness, even though I can stay, I can spend eternity saying I have all the reason in the world to be unforgiving or angry or full of hate or bitter about how I was treated. The Lord says, no, you need to resolve this, that if I was willing to forgive you, you have to be, will, be willing to forgive other men's their trespasses. And there's areas in our heart that I believe God is saying, you want the end time message? Here's the end time message. It's been the same message since Matthew chapter 2 when John the Baptist came on the scene. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Resolve once and for all. I am doing my own thing. I am wrong. And even though I go to church, even though I was baptized, I had somebody come late and they said, Pastor, is it true? This week someone talked to me. Is it true? If I'm not water baptized, and I'm go am I going to hell? I said, have you accepted Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior? He says, yes, I have. I said, okay, well, then you're saved. I said, the Bible says repent and be baptized for your remission of sins, but water baptism will not bring you to heaven. You can be dunked... He says, well, do it. Some other body else said, do I need to be rebaptized? Listen, you can be baptized 400 times, but unless you resolve some issues and turn away from sin and turn to God, that's not going to get you to heaven. You're going to be a wet heathen burning in hell. That's all. Water will not get you to heaven. Shaking my hand will not get you to heaven. It's accepting Christ and turning your life over to Christ is what's going to keep you from damnation of hell and the judgment of the white throne of Jesus. Amen, church. They don't preach like this anymore. But it is the gospel. It is the message. And he says, I want you to remind people because it's so easy to neglect such a salvation. And it goes on to say, here's some scriptures. Luke 13.3, I'm just going to read them to you. Luke 13.3. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God. So that your sins, so that your sins may be wiped away. Turn to Him. And the times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. Acts 8.22 Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Perhaps He will forgive you. Only at the end you and Him will know whether this thing has been dealt with in your heart. Acts 17.30 In the past God overlooked such ignorance. But now He commands people everywhere to repent. Say that with me. Repent. Look with me in Psalms 119. I want to give you a number of scriptures because I just want to feed you with some scriptures to meditate before we continue on in the series. 
Romans 119, verse 59. Yeah, there, that's it. Psalms. Psalms 119, verse 59. Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And I want you to see what David's praying here. Psalms 119, verse 59. This is the living. It says, I pondered the direction of my life. Make a note of that. I pondered. I reflected. I meditated on the direction of my life. This is an important question. Where am I going? Where has my life... Even here we are, mid-year, June. You You want me to tell you something? I praise God every day that we are still in a free country in June. I praise God for what, where we still are and what we still have in this country. Thank God for the freedom to be here tonight. Thank God we have not been destroyed. But it says here, I pondered the direction of my life. Lord, where is my life going? Where are my feet taking me? What are my hands preparing for me? You know, the Bible says, you can write this down in Haggai. It says, consider your ways. You work all day and you go home and you have nothing to show for it. You put on clothes, but you're not warm and you eat and you're never satisfied. Consider your ways. And it goes on and on in Haggai chapter 2, 1 through 5, where it continues to say, consider your ways, consider your ways. David was saying, I pondered the direction of my life. Where am I allowing my life, my thoughts, the things that are not checked by the Word of God? What, where am I allowing these areas to take me? You know, people wake up in a mist of sin, wake up in a crack house, wake up on the street, wake up in a dysfunctional family, wake up in a broken home, wake up in jail, wake up in all kind of different places. And they're going, how did I get here? You know how you got there. The wages of sin is death. David said, I'm going to ponder where my, I'm, what I'm doing and where it's taking me in my life. And it says on to say, I turned to follow your laws. I turned, repent. I repented. I turned. I turned away from that. I turned away from that. I turned away from that. It's killing me. It hurts. I'm bleeding. My heart is broken. But I'd rather have a broken heart over a decision I have to make than burn an eternity in a hell. Verse 60 says, I will hurry without delay. Why are, why are you putting it off? I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Church, I believe this. He says that our, our walking in holiness and godliness is going to accelerate the coming of Jesus Christ. We read that and we studied that last week, didn't we? Us living in holiness and godliness, repenting and living a life of holy and godliness is going to accelerate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But David, he's showing us a way to do it right here. He says, I'm checking out where my life is taking me. What I'm allowing to rule my life. I'm, I'm considering those things. And then it says, then I will hurry without delay and obey your commands. Evil people, verse 61, evil people try to drag me into sin. But I am firmly anchored. To your instructions. Evil people try to drag me into sin. But I am firmly firmly anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. You know, I got to say, 
I don't wake up at midnight and start praising God. Thank you, Lord, for all the rules. Thank you, Lord. You told me that I cannot lie. Woo! I'm excited that you told me I cannot lie. Thank you, Lord, for telling me I can't commit adultery. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just love that you said I can't covet. Thank you, God, for that commandment. Well, that's what David's saying here. Thank you for your regulations. Get up at midnight. Thank you for setting up rules that you put to save me and help me and keep me. Thank you for boundaries because you loved me. I am a friend to anyone who fears you. Anyone who obeys your commands. Amen? Now the reason... And then 127 of the same chapter there. Chapter 127. Truly I love your commands. More than gold and finest gold. Each of your commandments is right. That is why I hate... I hate every false way. Amen, church? Hey, is it okay I preach the gospel tonight? He says, I love every one of your commandments and I hate, I hate anything against your will. I hate anything against your way. David was saying, I'm going to keep myself. And Lord, give me that holy indignation to hate sin. To hate what pleases your heart. To hate what's bringing me down. To hate what's transforming me. And to fuel for the fire. Each of your commandments is right. Lord, I surrender. You're right. You're right. You said the way, your ways lead to pleasantness and peace. Lord, you're right. My ways are making me most miserable. My way will get me into AIDS. My way will get me into all kind of different problems because I'm going to do things my way. And David is saying here, Lord, your commandment's right. You're right, God. I'm not going to argue. That's, you called it sin. It's sin. I can't talk you out from changing what you said. What you said is and will always be. I cannot explain away what you meant when you spoke your word. Amen. We read in verse 10 of Peter, the day of the Lord Christ's return, that He will come as a thief in the night. Not knowing when Jesus is returning is to keep us focused on His return. It keeps us looking. I've been saved since 1969. I know Brother Ray and Sister Carolyn, y'all have been saved for many, many years. How many of y'all have been saved? How many has been saved over 30 years? Okay. How many of y'all could testify expecting Jesus' return has kept you straight? Amen? Huh? Amen? Woo! Have you ever sweated? Have you ever sweated when you read a, you finally read your Bible again? And your devotion was on hell? As a little boy, I rededicated myself every Sunday. I didn't want to go to hell. I still don't want to go to hell. So not knowing when Christ returns keeps us focused on Him and His return. It keeps us looking and longing for Him. It keeps us watching and it stirs us up to live pure and holy lives. Amen? Listen to this. We must never get careless, get tired of waiting, get sleepy and caught off guard and begin to disbelieve. Watch 
Sit up, stay awake, listen, look, take notice of all the signs that Jesus is coming soon. Mark 13, 35. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it's in the evening or at the midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. Mark 24, 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Mark twenty four thirty six. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Oh, well, you know, Jesus ain't coming back soon. Look, Jesus don't even know when he's coming back. And you know, Matthew 24, 44. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. First mm. Thessalonians 5, 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation 3, 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I came to you. Revelation sixteen fifteen. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Hmm. Reality check. Amen. Amen. Let's go back and look at First Peter chapter. Th- I mean, Second Peter chapter three. Let me just give you a few points on these things that is part of our way. I just spoke a little bit about repentance, but I want you to see in verse eleven. So it says, since every Second uh, Peter three, verse eleven. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it alone. Say holiness and godliness. Let me give you the definition of holiness. It means that our behavior is sanctified. Our behavior is set apart for God. Separated from the world and given over to God. A living sacrifice. It means given over to live a pure and a righteous life. That's what holy means. To be a behavior that is sanctified, set apart unto God. Separated from the world and given over to God. Given over to live pure and righteous lives. How many of you here lately, you don't have to raise your hand, but but I know it's been happening to you. How many has been... Things have been like disgusting you more that you hear and see on TV. And it might have been, it could have been a song you might have already heard. But now that all of a sudden, a week or two later, you hear the same song. And even though you heard it before, now it's like it just almost makes you want to throw up. There's a sensitivity, I believe, growing in the body of Christ. that The Holy Spirit is saying, get yourself ready. You're to live. You want to make it to heaven? It gives the definition here. Holy, set apart lives. And you know what Peter's trying to say here? He's saying, you know, it is so easy for people, even people here in America. Everybody's got their definition. Everybody wants to say, you know what? I believe God loves me too much to send me to hell over that. But the word is so clear. You, you can try to change things and hope for things any way your flesh wants to. But what God has written and declared, it is done. He says, I'm giving you a choice. And he says to live a holy and pure life. Let me give you some scriptures. Leviticus 1145. 
Be holy. For I am holy. And listen, you know what, church? I'm doing you a favor here. I'm reading these scriptures for you tonight so you don't have to have God read them to you before the throne. Where did it say for me to be holy? Russell Cobb read them to you on June the 7th of 09. That the Word of God says, be holy for I am holy. Luke 1, 74, 75. To rescue us from the hand of the enemies. To enable us to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. Not just now and then. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends. This is what it says here. Since we have these promises, dear friends. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. That's what I just read. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let me read it to you again. Since we have these promises, dear friends... Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence of God. Hebrews twelve fourteen, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Listen to this now. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1.16 For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Wow. Is that in your Bible? It is in the Holy Word of God. Now let me just give you a definition right quick of godly. That was a quick definition of holy. Let me give you a quick definition of godly. Godliness means to live like God. To live like God and seek to be a godly person. To live like God and to seek to be a godly person. Godliness means to live like God and seek to be a godly person. Godliness means to live and do all things in the reverence and the awe of God. You see, all of us, there are areas in our life we struggle with. You know, we can repent and say, I'm going to fix that a thousand times. The way to overcome the desires of the soul, the desires of the flesh, is I've got to be more in awe of God than I am with some type of sin. I've got to be in the awe of God more than I am in the awe of this or that or the other. That the, just the awe of God. Just to stand in His presence. Just to know Him. It means we are so conscious of God's presence, we live like God. And would live like if he were walking upon the earth next to us. Godliness. Godliness. Let me give you a few scriptures. It's also translated to be Christ-like. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And I'll just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who with unveiled faces are reflected the Lord's glory. Or being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Titus chapter 2, 12-13 says this, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, while we will wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Second Peter three eleven. Since everything we since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? We ought to live holy and godly lives. Amen. So I believe those are some definitions for holiness and godliness. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, I'll just give you a few things. Human nature doesn't like regulations and boundaries and rules. Amen? I mean, we don't like boundaries and rules. What what, What does our flesh say? I want to play. I want to have fun. If it feels good, I want to do it. But that's not godliness and that is not holiness and that is not the way that we are going to see Jesus with a clear conscience and a door open into glory. You know, you see these little sitcoms and movies where they make fun of heaven. They're, they walk up to the gate and there's Peter. They pull out a wad of money and just give him a little bit of money say, I want to get on the front row. The gate is not going to be that way. For one, if you're not going up there, you're not even going to be up there to be able to tip off Peter. Can't take it with you anyway. He said, what do I want this flimsy devalued dollar for? i got streets of gold. Questions. Why do I want to play this game that chances my eternity in my life? Questions. How many have died in their sin? Am I praying enough to resist temptation today? Am I heeding and studying the Word today so that I can be free and walk in holiness and godliness tomorrow? Do I have a desire and an appetite for God more than a hunger and a desire for the world? Do I have a conviction to change or need to change? Do I have a sense of urgency? Do I want to put off to tomorrow or am I ready to do it today? So I'll give you three points and I end. Can I do that? What do I pray for? Number one, we, we have to pray to get fed up and get holy, righteous anger and indignation against the things that keep pulling on our flesh and pulling on our mind and keep pulling us away from God and more towards the world. We've got to get angry as David did with Goliath and say, you giant, you have defiled the name of my God long enough. Now I'm taking you down. We've got to get to that point to where we are so ready to deal with it that we're fed up with it and we don't want to spend another night with the frogs. We're fed up. We're tired. We're fed up with the curse. We're fed up where the curse takes us. We're fed up where, it, where my decisions are taking me. I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up with always seeing this cycle going with my life. I don't really, if I have to be honest with myself, I'm really not at peace with the way I'm living. I'm not pleasing God. I know it's against the Word of God. I I say I'm having fun, but I know I'm not having fun. So this is the real question. Lord, help me get fed up and get tired and angry at the things that is pulling me down. Blow it away. It's illegal. You know what? There's a lot of things about if, if the church would get upset about the enemy being illegal in our life as America gets upset about the illegal aliens coming in illegally, Huh? 
We want to do the border control and we want to make sure that they, we don't, we don't want these people coming over here illegally because you know what? They, they may blow up one of our government buildings. We don't want, we don't want people here illegally. We, we, we want to close our borders because you know what? Everyone who comes here illegally, they may be a trained terrorist. You know, they may blow up a bridge. They may do something horrible. We don't want illegal aliens. What you think a devil does? A demon is more dangerous than bin Laden, I promise you. And we open doors and we let these illegal aliens from hell come and contaminate and attack our lives where we've got to say, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, who I am and who I serve, you will not. You will not. Abuse the name of my Lord and throw dirt upon His holiness and His preciousness. Amen, church. People see somebody with a towel on their head and a big cloth. Boy, we better watch. You never know what they have. But yet, we'll let something come on the TV or something come in some other way and we don't even pay a, 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 a lick of, a, 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 we don't even pay attention to it. Hallelujah. How many know I need a raise? <laughs> no. Number two, I have to have the realization I may not have a tomorrow. I have to have the realization I may not have a tomorrow. You know how many people in this area have died just getting on their four wheeler in their yard? How many freakish deaths have you seen in the sheriff's department? How fragile this body is. We think we're supermen, but this body is so fragile. One little splinter flying off right here. One hit in the wrong direction. One jelly bean stuck in your throat with nobody to squeeze you. It's over. Somebody passing, somebody passing up a red light. Somebody disobeying the law, trying to text so nobody can see now that they're driving. In a moment, our lives can be taken from us. We are not promised a tomorrow, especially when we're not covered. But we have to make the right choices with the help of the Holy Spirit to obey the Word of God and not allow our hearts to be hardened. No, nothing's going to happen to me. There is no surety in that. We are called to live a separate life. But many times our hearts get callous. The more and more we practice things and deal with things, the more calloused our hearts we get and the more the Holy Spirit withdraws from us. And the voice we used to hear saying, don't do that. I love you too much to see you hurt yourself. We get callous to that voices of the Holy Spirit of the ones we love. And number three, it says in Second Peter 3, looking for the day of God as the things unfold and come to pass. I've got to take it to heart and I have to prepare and be ready for it. Amen. Amen. So let's stand upon our feet.